because he's under age. world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are sons, in verse 6, God sent his spirit, the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you an heir. So when the, t- the time was determined, before the time was determined, under the old covenant, we were under, mankind was under the, the trusteeship or the guardianship of the old covenant, the Old Testament, which included sacrifices and doing all the right things. And so the time set by the Father when he sent his son into the world, into the earth, even though we were perspe- prospective children of God. When Jesus came and died as a man, he lived as a man, was born as a man, lived as a man, and he died as a man, a perfect man though. When he sacrificed his son, his, himself and shed his blood, it was from that time on that we could become joint heirs. We're already heirs of the estate. We just weren't in that position. But when the time had fully come, when Jesus died, we came from being prospective children to being joint heirs with Christ through the work of his Holy Spirit, the spirit of adoption. You know, in the Garden of Gethsemane in Mark 14, the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus said that when he prayed to the Father, he went with his disciples and he left them at a certain place. Remember, he kept going back and finding them asleep. But just before his hour had come, He prayed to the Father, Mark 14, 35 to 36. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if it would be possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And that Filipino Filipino word for daddy, the, the word Abba, is the word that in English that the, the little child uses daddy, the first words for his father, daddy. In the Filipino, I know in the Warai and also in Tagalog, it's the word tatai, 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 a little child, first words for his father. But also this word Abba in the Aramaic that Jesus used was not just a word, or the first word of a child, was also a mature relationship of an adult son for his father. And it brought in perspective his place in the family as an heir. But more than that, it brought the intimacy of relationship between the father and son. What we're going to look at tonight in different verses is these four areas in relation to Abba Father, Daddy, or the Filipino Tatai, Intimacy, number one. Secondly, the spirit of adoption. Thirdly, the difference between a son or a slave or a son or a servant. And then fourthly, obedience and responsibility, restoration, and then the authority that we are given to be the sons and daughters of the living God. Let's pray. 
Father God, we just thank you for the relationship that we can enter into with you. That relationship that was lost in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned and we were born into that sin. We thank you, Father God, that right throughout salvation history, you planned that there would once again come that relationship that was lost. Once again, there would come that that place of you walking and talking with us. When Jesus was upon the earth, he walked and talked with mankind and he healed the sick and he just had compassion on people. We thank you that your precious Holy Spirit is on the earth now. And and as Jesus said, wait and tarry for the, the Holy Spirit. Wait for the gift. Wait for that which I've promised. Holy Spirit, you are the paraclete. You are the advocate. You are the one that comes along and teaches us all truth. You illuminate the Word of God to us. But more than that, you dwell within our spirit and testify with our spirit that we are the sons and daughters of the living God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we just come before you tonight and we thank you for that relationship that the three of you, the the triune God, has worked each and every person of the Godhood, and we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Now, parts of this message I've put together from different messages as I was just preparing, because this is very similar to the very first message that I preached over in the Philippines. Growing up in Gympie, as Pastor James often talks about, he grew up in Gympie, and it's many stories from Gympie. We had this neighbour, well, I'm not sure where he was from. I think he was a couple of blocks away. But he was this um, poor boy, poor uh, young man. And I remember him coming. My my father was always very compassionate, very um, accepting, particularly of people who had a a little bit of, um, what would you call it, mental disability. He 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 was there, but he wasn't there, if you know what I mean. And so this poor, smelly, not very well-dressed boy used to come and play with us. And he played cricket, and his name was Wayne Samai. But we often had other ring-ins to our family, myself and my two brothers. Can I have the next slide, please? You'll see a picture. Look at that good-looking bloke without the shirt on there. (laughs) That's a picture at Fraser Island. That's why I didn't have a shirt on. But my brother Richard, my mum and dad, obviously... Um, Michael is at the back in the middle, and my brother Richard um, was my second brother. I was the firstborn, Richard was the secondborn, and Michael was the lastborn or the thirdborn. And so anyway, this little boy used to come and play with us, but you'd hear him coming. He'd yell before you could even see him. He would yell, Richard's father, where is Richard's father? And he'd come into our yard, Richard's father. There you are, Richard's father. He kept calling it, and it used to really bug me and annoy me when he'd call my dad Richard's father. It wasn't the fact that I wanted him to call him, call him David's father or anything like that because he was the same age as my brother Richard. It was the fact that everybody referred to my dad either as Mr. Jack or Pastor Jack. And so I tried to teach him. I tried to tell him, you must call my dad Mr. Jack or Pastor Jack. Well, that's okay, but where's Richard's father? He would always ask for Richard's father. It just really, really annoyed me. But the funny part about it was that he knew my dad through knowing my brother Richard. My father was known through a friendship with his son, but no matter how much time he spent at our place with 
my father's sons, unless he took on the name of my father, he would never be my father's son. Unless he was adopted into the family, which my dad did explain adoption around that stage, and I was hoping that nothing would happen, that that would... (laughs) But then it might have cured him of calling my dad Richard's father. (laughs) So the first point, intimacy. In the next slide, please. Intimacy. The Aramaic word Abba was the word, as I mentioned, daddy. Even in the Filipino, it's the word tatai, the word... The first words formed on the lips of a little baby for his father when he first begins to speak. Daddy, dear father. Abba was so much a family word expressive of family familiarity and intimacy, a relationship, a close relationship between father and son. It was said to be the first word formed on an infant's lips. When my son Joshua was about two years old, I used to work uh, down the road at Goldings and we lived just over the hill. And so I'd drive home in my Goldings ute and I'd come past our house, was on a corner, I'd come past our house and I'd always see Joshua on the veranda hanging on to the, the railings in between the, the posts hanging, and he was watching for me. And as soon as he'd see my ute, he'd disappear And I worked out one day he'd run all the way up to the other end of the veranda. I couldn't work out why, but then I realised he knew that I would drive straight past the house, turn around, and that's where I would get out of my car. And so when I'd get out of my car there, he would be yelling. The whole neighbourhood could hear, Daddy, 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 Daddy. Everybody knew that his daddy was home from work. Abba, Father. He just waited and waited for me to come home. Galatians 4, 6 to 7 again, because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer slaves, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. Remember where I first started in, in, from verse 1, where Paul said, when we were underage, we were under guardians and trustees. We were under the law under the old covenant, but at the right time set by the Father, we we were able to become heirs. Even though we were potential heirs, we were able to move into that position through Jesus' work on the cross, through his death, through his uh, shed blood, and through his, his resurrection, we were able to move from being potential children to being heirs in Christ. And so point number two, the spirit of adoption. The spirit of adoption. We are in Christ. Firstly, we come into relationship as sons with God, as our Father, through the covenant that Jesus the Son has established. Remember in Luke twenty-two twenty, Jesus said, this is the new covenant in my blood. This is a covenant in my blood. We've gone from being under the the guardianship of the law, having to be good, having to do all the right things, having to sacrifice bulls and animals, to now just moving into that position through Jesus' work on the cross, the work of the Holy Spirit that comes into our hearts, into our spirit, testifies with our spirit. We've now moved into that place in Christ, joint heirs with Jesus Christ, his Son. Secondly, the Holy Spirit confirms our new status. In Romans chapter 8, verses 15 
to 17. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again or slavery to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy, Tatai, Father. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. The third thing, and you've heard me speak many times about this passage in Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, 13 to 14. We are stamped with the seal of ownership or a trademark. We are stamped with ownership of Father God. We are stamped with the seal of the family. We are stamped of the seal of being joint heirs with Christ. And we have within us the deposit of the Holy Spirit unto eternity placed within our heart. The very presence of God through the Holy Spirit coming into our heart or dwelling within our spirit. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, You also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal or a trademark. See on the drum, that's a trademark, Yamaha. It's protected by copyright, obviously, but it's a trademark. That drum is made, manufactured, created, you could say, by Yamaha. That's this word in the Greek here, sphragizo. Remember, I always struggle with that word, sphragizo. You were marked with him, you were marked in him with a seal. You were marked with a trademark of God's family, God's ownership, God's declaration of you belonging to him. The promised Holy Spirit, who is also the word Arabon, who is also a deposit guaranteeing our, our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So again, the work of the spirit of adoption is that he stamps us with a seal of ownership, with a trademark that we belong to God. And through indwelling in our spirit and in our hearts, he is the deposit, the guarantee, the down payment of eternal life. But more than that, he is the very presence of God dwelling within our hearts and within our spirit. This use of heart or the word cardia, in the Greek, it's the seat of a person's intellectual and emotional life, the center of one's moral and spiritual life in particular. It is here the Spirit of God dwells. Our heart or our spirit is the very seat of our understanding. It's the place where we make decisions, the place where we decide to either pledge allegiance to the living God or pledge allegiance through inactivity or doing nothing to his enemy, the devil. Remember, we were born into sin through Adam. It's only through the Holy Spirit ministering to us the work of Jesus on the cross of the relationship that God the Father prepared that would change our status from not being able to be an heir to being an heir with Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then the last thing about the spirit of adoption 
is that when this process happens, our names, hallelujah, go into the book of life, Revelation 3, 5, and his name goes upon our foreheads, that place reserved only for him. And the next thing, a son or a slave. You know, quite often, the next slide, please, Dorothy. Quite often we can come into the house of God and we want to serve. We want to be a servant. But Paul here, I want to take the word slave and use that also. We can, we can interchange slave or servant. You know, folks, we're not just like the prodigal son. Remember when he came to his senses, he decided, I've taken myself out of the family. I've taken myself out of my father's house. Duh, he had, a, had an intelligent moment and thought, maybe I could just go back to my father's house and just be a servant. I could no longer be a son, but I could be a servant. And so remember, the, the father took him from being just a servant that he wanted to do and made him again, restored him into that area of being a son. So when we come into the house of God, yes, we serve and we can be servants. But more than a servant, God wants to make us sons and daughters of the living God. He wants us to change our, our thinking, our mentality from not just being a servant or a slave, not just being somebody who does things to appease God, but to being in that place of God loves us all the time and it's in Christ, that place, uh, that position where he can uh, give us everything that he wants for us. And so the difference between a son and a servant, sons build, servants serve, that's obvious. Sons inherit, but servants to get what the son gets, the servant has to take or steal. A son is family-oriented, but a servant is always issue-oriented. I'm just think, making you think about changing our thinking, changing our mentality. God has so much more for us than just being servants in the house of God. A son's language is we, us, or ours. A servant's language is they, them, or me. A son will honour headship. A servant will seek to expose the father's faults. Remember the sons of Noah, I think it's in Genesis chapter 9. The sons exposed Noah's nakedness after the ark went through the water and they came out. A son will serve the vision of the house, but a servant will serve his own agenda. A son will bond others to the father, but a servant will bond others to themselves. Just on that point, is there any... Anybody here remember Amway? Anybody in Amway at all? You all remember Amway, the pyramid selling? There were many churches, I think, in the States. This um, teaching came from Rick Godwin in the States. There were many um, churches in the States who would not let people who were involved in Amway into leadership positions in their church. And here's why. Because... The, the sons will bond others to the father. The servant will bond others to themselves. They were finding that people in those sort of positions, it, didn't, didn't just, um, it wasn't just Amway, but they're finding that people in those positions, would, they would bring many, many people to church, but they weren't connecting people to the vision of the house. They weren't connecting people to the vision of the pastor. They were connecting people to their own vision. They were connecting 
people to their own income and their own building their own empire, you could say. And so what, what uh, churches and pastors were finding was that when these people who had bonded people to themselves, when they got offended as they left the church, all the little ducklings would follow after them. And so sons bond others to the Father in the house of God, but servants, uh, sorry, but a servant will bond others to themselves. When they leave, when they get offended, everybody else gets offended. Sons will share in a conversation, but servants will share only on a need-to-know basis. A son is always focused on the welfare of people, but a servant is focused on only the appearance of events. A son is secure and can handle discipline. A servant is not so. He's unsecure and any discipline comes, it twists them and distorts them. You know the people that get really, really angry. They're the ones that I'm talking about. A son is secure and handles discipline. A servant is not so. A son comes with puppy feet. You can see the potential for growth. But a servant will come fully grown, full bottle, unteachable. You can't teach them anything. They're going to teach the father of the house, what goes on. So the difference between a son or a servant. God wants us to come from just being servants, just like the prodigal son wanted to come back into the father's house as a servant, but his father wanted to restore him with the full rights, the full authority, the full responsibility to a son as he came back in obedience. And so obedience and responsibility, the next one, please, Dorothy, number four. Obedience and responsibility, restoration and authority. This is not a legal obedience driven by a commandment. You must obey like the servant or a hireling is under. But this is a love, or this is a trust, trusting response to known love from the Father. Remember, in the Garden of Gethsemane, obedience comes forth from the trust between the Father and the Son. Jesus said to his Father, not my will, but yours be done. If it so pleases you, take this cup from me, but I'll lay down my own will and I'll carry out your will. So in obedience comes responsibility because later at Calvary, responsibility was able to trust, uh, rest in that trust again. When Jesus said, Father, I commit my hands into your spirit. Luke 23, 46. Abba, or Tatai, or Daddy, is the intimate word of a family circle where that obedient responsibility is at the heart of the relationship. From the obedience and the responsibility then comes restoration and authority. John 17, verses 1 to 2. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son so that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those that you have given to him. Legitimate children, not illegitimate children, carry the name of their father and they bring it honour. They bring honour to the house of God. They bring honour to the Father. Authority is given. It's never 
taken. Unauthorized authority is just asking for trouble. It always leads to discord and rebellion. Can I have the singers and musicians, please? Delegated authority, are we sent or did we just went? Were we sent from out of the house to carry out something that the Father wants or something that the pastor has authorised us to do? Or did we just went? Did we just go and do it anyway? It's the difference between being a son or being a servant. Accountability. Who says no to you? Do we surround ourselves with yes people? Or is there objective people that sometimes will say no to us and cause us to think? Are we accountable to somebody or do we just do our own thing? The prodigal son. Luke 15 and verse 20, reading from verse 20. Remember the prodigal son went to his father, pretty much said to the father, I wish you were dead and I want to take what belongs to me. He almost wished that his father were dead. And that was when the father died, then he would inherit and would get that which was coming to him. But he wanted it early. So in other words, he wanted his father good as dead. And so he went off, spent all his, all his money, spent all his belongings, uh, used all his belongings and trashed them, I suppose. And then finally he was so hungry that he found himself feeding pigs and even the, the pods for the pigs looked good. That was when he came to his senses and said, in my father's house there are servants. Maybe if I return, my father would let me just become like one of his servants. And in verse 20, says, So he got up and he went to his father. But while he, was a still, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with great compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. There we find intimacy and the spirit of adoption. Remember we read, the father said, my son was as good as dead, but now he is alive again. Intimacy and the spirit of adoption, of bringing him back and restoring him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer to be called your son. Here's a contrast between the son and the servant. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. He gave him, through obedience, he gave him responsibility again. He said, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Here we find restoration and the ring even signified the authority of the father given again to the son. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Abba, Father, Daddy, Tatai, that close relationship that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of adoption brings into effect as He comes and indwells our spirit or our heart. 
Can I just have every head bowed and every eye closed, please? Thank you, Jesus, for your work on the cross. I just want to ask tonight, is there anybody, while every head's bowed and every eye's closed, you don't know what it is to have that relationship with Father God through Jesus Christ, His Son? I just ask you right now, just slip up your hand and say, I, I don't know what that is. I don't have an experience what you're talking about, but I would like to. I would love that relationship. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Is there anybody else you'd like to come into that place of relationship? Or maybe you've been in that place of relationship and you've moved away like the prodigal son. You've taken your things and gone. Do you want to come back to that place? And as you would even say to God tonight, I want to be just a servant in your house. He would say to you, I want you to be more than a servant. I want to restore you to being a son or a daughter of mine, a joint heir with Christ. Is there anybody like that? Anybody wants to be restored into that relationship through Jesus Christ once again? Thank you. You can put your hand down. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. While every head is bowed and every eye is closed, maybe, you know, it's said, uh, there was a, a writer, Thomas Smale, he wrote a book on the forgotten father. And he said, in our minds, we always draw an equal sign to Father God in likeness to our father. If our father was a hard man, if, there was, if it was a distant relationship or he wasn't there, we draw this equal sign and we're afraid if we come to God that he might disappear or he might be angry with us or he might be overbearing. But God is a compassionate God. He is slow to anger. He is loving. He sent his own son Jesus to die for our sins that we might be restored into that place. And so while every head is bowed, every eye is closed, is that you this evening? You've had a bad relationship with your father and so it's hard for you to accept the unconditional love that God offers to you and in bringing you into his family and restoring to you that relationship and that authority. Anybody tonight? Just as we sing, I would love to pray for people tonight. I'll ask Pastor James to come and help me. But I just ask, as we just uh, sing a song, please, Kate, if that's you tonight, if you want to rededicate your life, you want to come to the Lord and, and in that relationship through Jesus Christ, affected by the Holy Spirit, or maybe there's a bad relationship. There's, it's like there's blockage of your memories from your experiences from your own earthly father that's affecting you being able to accept the unconditional love of your father God. I just ask that tonight you just come forward. I'd love to lay hands on you and pray that God would restore everything to you tonight as a joint heir in Jesus Christ, his son. Thanks, Kate.